After a short time away, it's time for episode three. Thanks ever so much for downloading the podcast. In this episode, James gets really, really angry about language. We talk a little bit about gay marriage and terrible German food. Let's get into it. Hello, 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 and welcome along to episode three of Expat Chit Chat on the Paul the Brit podcast. I am your host, Paul the Brit, joined as ever by James Johnson of Deutschified.com, OGM of Oh God, My Wife is German.com, and David Juarez of uh, New York City. Hi. (laughs) We need to get your website, Dave. (laughs) Dave, we need to get your website. Yeah. What should we call it? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I'm, I'm actually just starting that right now. Um, yeah, it's pretty bad. So. <laughs> <laughs> Squarespace, man. So easy. No, I. you know, I found the German um, Jimdo. Actually, it's pretty great. And the customer service. I mean. I've been using WordPress and I find it pretty complicated but um my my website's quite basic paulthebrit.com for those interested um so you can head over there um and check it out if you haven't already listened to our first two episodes then head over to itunes you can download both of them part one where we kind of introduce ourselves and then uh, part two is the the quirks we notice about living here in germany for today though we're going to be giving advice advice for expats from three uh well from us four and our experiences that we've had so far. I wouldn't say that we're the voice of authority on anything in particular. Uh, However, I will start off the advice for expats by saying, do not cross the road (laughs) under any circumstances on a red light. You have to wait for the little green man, uh, otherwise the uh, the Germans will remonstrate with you. Um, So what else should we be doing? What shouldn't we be doing, guys? What's uh, what's our advice for expats? It's the whole uh, Auslander Behuda thing. Like, uh, one thing... I would suggest to anyone who's moving to Germany, even if it's just for a, a short period of time, you know, longer than the visitor visa, is to get to the, the immigration department called the Ausländerbehörde <clears throat> as quickly as possible. Get to the Ausländerbehörde as quickly as possible because uh, the, it takes forever. It's a nightmare. It's really stressful. Um, although if you're already in the EU, as, as Paul and James said, it was uh, real easy, like a greased pig. Yeah, for, for Europeans, moving to Germany is a cinch. I, you literally, you walk into the uh, the local town office, there may be a couple of people ahead of you in the queue, but, you know, they, they get dealt with really quickly. You go in, you hand over your passport, they give you a piece of paper, stamp it, and boom, you're here in Germany. And then you got to apply for a tax number, uh, and once you've got your tax number, you can start working. It's as easy as that. Yeah, I was married to a German citizen already, so I had the status that I could also work uh, but I was—I had to take a mandatory language class and pass that in order to extend my visa, which was nerve-wracking. But it all works out in the end if you take it seriously. So when it comes to um, you know processing and being here, that's all very serious stuff. But what about the food? What advice are you going to give to people about food, and in particular, currywurst? <laughs> <laughs> Don't expect high cuisine. Like Germany, if you go to France, you go to Italy, you go to Spain, you go to like a romance country, there is high cuisine. There are very nice, beautiful restaurants, whereas here it's a brow house. It is potato, meat, curry, onion, beer, indigestion. <laughs> that is, all, that's all you get so don't don't come here thinking oh I'm going to go have some German high cuisine tonight yes it'll be lovely go, I'm going, no I'm going to go and get dead fat and eat a sausage 
Have you had these? Exactly. Um, have you had yeah. the pork yeah. knuckle things? These just this yeah. enormous yeah. chunk yeah. of meat. Just get the meat sweats about halfway through. We got power on. Oh, it's incredible. Yes. Yeah, so- Schweinshaxer, I think they call that's it. That's it, right? yeah. yeah. Haxer, yeah, Haxer, yeah. I think that's authentic uh, German experience. If you go to a Brauhaus, you have to have the Schweinshaxer and a mass of uh, of beer. Well, it's a funny story because I, I ordered it, you know, we ordered it for just me and my, my husband, and out comes this wall of flesh. Like, <laughs> <laughs> What kind of bar were you at? Um, it, it was actually, um, <laughs> well, it was... Yeah, and uh, <laughs> I looked at it and I was like, "Oh my god, this can feed forty people!" <laughs> um, and we ended up taking it home because after like a couple of bites, it's just a lot of food. Oh my! But, um, my advice the is price is right, right. My advice is don't make Germans do that. They don't like you taking food home from restaurants, particularly the ones I found. If you're like, "Oh, can I can I get a box to take this home?" I've never been once greeted with a smiley face and a yes, no problem. In, in Cologne, that's the opposite. If you don't finish something, they just they walk out with a box anyway and just go, do you want me to put that in there? Really? That right. must be something to do with Wiesbaden then. Oh, maybe God. I don't know. Maybe it's just they're used to foreigners that don't eat all the food in Cologne. All right, well, scrap that advice then because it depends on where you're in Germany, whether they're happy to <laughs> box it up or not. So I'm uh, talking out my ass. Oh, Paul, you mentioned uh, uh, currywurst, and I, I had no idea what that was. I'd seen bastardized versions in like German restaurants in Portland. But uh, for those who don't know, it's just it's basically like a hacked up hot dog drowning in this weird sort of pseudo curry ketchup sauce. And I consider it like uh, party food or festival food, which I really only touch when I'm blackout drunk. And I always regret it. <laughs> I actually had a curry worse yesterday and I immediately regretted it. I, imme- I, I regretted it from the point of when I asked for it. I like, why did I say that? There was like fries on the menu or just like anything other than currywurst my wife when i first came here she was determined to show me this wonderful delicacy and um, she <laughs> rang her uncle she rang her uncle and she's like where's the best currywurst in town which is bielefeld where she's from and then um, the guy's like oh yeah it's here and this is, this is the best currywurst and we got in the car we drove like half an hour we walked through the city and then she handed me this plate of what looked like dog shit with a fucking wooden fork in it and I was yeah. like, oh, this is currywurst? Because I'd never seen it before. And I tried it, and I was like, okay, I would hate to think what a bad one of these tastes like. If this is the right. best currywurst Germany has to offer, what does a bad <laughs> one taste like? <laughs> Which brings us to the topic of Joey's pizza. So uh, I'm a big pizza eater, and I just think that pizza is not going to be, at least it's not going to be like how it is in America, you know, loaded with cheese and gooey and greasy and fatty. And, you know, um, it's just very thin here. Um, it's it's gotten a lot better, I must say. Um, now Joey's is Domino's. Yeah. Um, with the leafer service, you can get it all throughout Frankfurt. The thing I but noticed about just, that, Dave, is that it's not satisfying. No, no, the, the pizza is, is not as good. And the thing I noticed about Joey's being Domino's is... They've not changed to their authentic Domino's recipe. So if you have a Domino's in no. America or you have Domino's in the UK, they're the same. If you have Domino's here, it's just, it's nothing like Domino's pizza. No, but the only thing that has been consistent, I must say, is Pizza Hut. Pizza Hut is exactly the same over there and it is over here. And that is, um, I eat a lot of fast food. But, you know, I didn't feel sick after my first McDonald's experience and and that that's something to say about the more political, you know, laws on GMOs. So, 
Ah, okay, yeah. Um, well, I, I wrote about the uh, ordering Domino's pizza because I just love the service. Sometimes I'll just order like beer or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> wait, 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 wait! You can order beer? Oh yeah, and wine. Yeah. And uh, what? Why, why am I just finding out about this now? I know. It's, I don't know. But like, uh, they also have pizzas that no one in their right mind would come up with like they put some crazy shit on their pizzas and give it some wacky name and i can't think of any of them right now i wrote about it but uh, like oh man i can't remember you'll just if they visit your blog at oh god my wife is german.com they can see that and probably many more of your discoveries um, along the way what advice would you give for people for driving though on the roads get a bike <laughs> cycle everywhere you'll live <laughs> i found that uh driving on the autobahn just get out the way just move over to the right the second you're not overtaking something and you'll be fine because it's not like in other countries where the car coming up behind you you know the speed limit's 70 miles an hour in england or 120 kilometers and if somebody comes up behind you at 140 and you're like ah oh, wow you know you're you're speeding i'm going to do my civic duty and ensure that you can't pass me because you're going too fast <laughs> over here they can do 300 miles an hour if they want so just get out the way yeah my wife talks she she drives i don't i don't have the uh, driver's license here yet but uh she stays in the right lane driving like a granny and i love that you know stay <laughs> out of the way of the crazy people because my god they go so fast they They'll pass so fast in the left lane, it shakes your car. And these are not big cars. These are like, you know, just sporty little beamers and stuff, the ones that can perform like that. And she said, like, I was like, this is seems really dangerous. And yet I've always heard the Autobahn is like safe or something. And she's like, yeah, there are probably fewer accidents, but the accidents that happen, they're always fatal. No one lives. <laughs> not cars. It's, it's crazy when you drive over the border as well. It's like automotive ejaculation. Like there's a build up, a build up, a build up, a build up, then boosh! Yeah. <laughs> miles an hour once you've your passport. Yeah. I took, um, I took, um, I took a ride in my friend's Porsche the other day. We we're on the way home, and I said, "Oh, can you take me down the autobahn? You know, open it up a bit. I've never been in a Porsche before." And he's like, "Yeah, of course, naturally." Is he from Sweden? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One hundred and seventy-five miles an hour. 280 kilometers an hour he took me down the autobahn just like a quick spin i've never been so fast in a car in my entire life and the, the speed were overtaking people i yeah i i had a bit of a puckered asshole for that whole uh, whole journey <laughs> <laughs> but it was good any other advice we can think of on the roads well like uh, david you're from new york right so you probably don't didn't have a car there um i did actually i was a oh. long- person who you know i i'm all about defensive driving but i'm i'm not driving here in germany no i won't i haven't gone the balls yeah. uh. i'm from portland <laughs> and I, I always had a car always drove everywhere and you know my german wife when she would visit comment on how you'd have to drive to the gym so you could then sit on a bike or whatever you know what i mean like driving everywhere the country is just so big and it's built around you know uh suburbs and cities and the, the commuting thing is just just the way we live and um I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> Great speaking story. Of oh, <laughs> yeah, speaking of trains. Sorry. Yeah. I, uh, getting selling my car, coming to Germany. I suddenly it was all about bikes, and especially the uh, street cars and the U-Bahn and stuff. And it's been easy and lovely. I can listen to podcasts like Paul the Brit. Um, 
just sitting there at ease. It's great. I love it. The public transportation is of course, wonderful for especially Americans. So when you're not driving, we're taking trains. Got some advice for yes. trains? Be on time. Germans trains leave. Sometimes they're late, but when they say they're going to leave, they are leaving. They are gone. There is just a smoke outline where that train was. Yeah. That's that's actually one of the best things about public transportation here is that it, it even if, if it says it's going to be five minutes late, it's five minutes late. Not 20, not 25, not 35. And you can actually call. I've called the RMV. I've called um, DB and I've gotten customer service and I've said, oh, yeah, somebody jumped in front of the tracks or, you know, they're having power outages on line S-Bahn or whatever. Um, so that's been good. Get the Deutsche Bahn app as well. That Deutsche Bahn app is incredible. It just connects every train at any time you want to go to any platform anywhere around the country, and it's just brilliant. So there you go. There's an, there's an actual genuine tip for you on our, <laughs> on our expat advice session. But yeah, with that thing there with the trains being on time is even if the train driver is watching you sprint down the platform to, to get the train <laughs> and, and you're trying to press the door open button, he's just like, meh, fuck you, and I'll feel chug. <laughs> You can tell they enjoy that. Oh yeah. Well, one thing I, I uh, with the the streetcar and the U-Bahn, I counted it. They open the doors for like two and a half seconds, maybe three if you're lucky, and then they're gone. I mean, you got to be, you got to go. And if you hold the door open for your friend who's a slow slow slowpoke, you know, they people get mad. They'll even get on the uh, loud the loudspeaker and say, "Please don't hold the doors open in German." I would say. So, um, what advice have you got for nightlife? It's cheap. It is well. Don't go like uh, my girlfriend's brother complained once that he spent fifty euros on a night out on an expensive night out, and I was like, "That's my taxi fare back in England. That is getting me from door to door." Like, I spend that before I've left the house to go out. <laughs> David, come on. What's the gay scene like in Frankfurt? Oh, you know, I'm I'm too old now. I mean, like, <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm I'm. Uh... I got here when I was 30, and I think that that time has passed <laughs> for me. So I'm yeah. not a dinosaur. So plus, I'm not into leather or any kind of you know uh, <laughs> animal fucking. So that's takes me out of the the Germany gay scene. So. Is is that what happens in the gay scene? Animal fucking as well? <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, of course. It's New York City all the way. No, um, no, you know, I haven't really, I haven't really, um, I haven't really experienced. Uh, a lot of that. I'm going to have to cancel yeah. the animal fucking episode of the expat podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm too old for the night scene as well, but I, I have partied a few times like New Year's Eve or whatever. And uh, they I noticed they party hard and they party late and going all night. Uh, you know, the bars are open later, I think. Like in the States, they have to close. I don't know. It's between it's 2, two a.m., isn't it? Yeah, something like that. And the Germans are always like when they come visit me in the in the states they're like what is this pussy shit you know we, we, we we're not done till 7 a.m you know we have to have a, a meal in the middle of the night with soup or whatever the hell so you can keep going <laughs> that was the problem with our wedding there was we were at a at the beach and there was a like a 10 p.m curfew which is weird even for the states too early and um not a curfew a, a noise ordinance yeah and uh there were a lot of germans at my wedding of course and uh they were just like they couldn't believe that you would shut a party down like that before 7 a.m. or, you know, 
Oh man, was... well, we've got we had problems with our neighbours here. We had a moving in party, um, and it went. It did go on a bit late. It went on to like midnight, and the neighbours banged on the door, so we we had to stop the party and we went. Um, then we had a house party about a year later, and we knew that we needed to shut down by eleven. Um, but we shut down by half past 10. The guy still knocked on our door at 11 and said, oh, you're not allowed to make party after this. I'm like, dude, we stopped half an hour ago. What are you even complaining about? There's no noise anymore. <laughs> but he just wanted to complain. He felt compelled to complain, yeah. even though the noise had finished. It's like, well, I was going to complain, so I might as well do that anyway. Um, but also, my wife went out at the weekend um, on Friday night, and she's uh, going to this um, queer night down at um, the uh, the Schlachthof down at the Schlachthof it's like big big gay scene that's the PC term for it is it uh, no it's, that's what it's called here the queer night so, I'm um... not offended I'm not offended just, <laughs> just, uh... well I mean I, I didn't name the night um... I, I'm 180 gay so I was just I was just <laughs> oh okay so really British <laughs> really British it's just he's, he's been pushed down like I know if I watch Magic Mike I end up gay so I've just never done it. But that's everybody. I mean, yeah. you know, those guys aren't like picking out on curry verse. No. But I agree with the the, the late nights. Um, my wife went out on Friday. Her friend picked her up at 11 p.m. to go to the the pub and the club. I'm like, I, I'm coming home at 11 p.m. <laughs> You're just getting started. So yeah, they do start partying later. Here. I feel very young now in terms of this. I'm listening to it like half ten. Well, I've only just left the house. Like, what's going on? Yeah, well, you're 25. I'm 34. OGM, you were what? Mid 30s? Yeah, late 30s. Almost pushing 40. And Dave? 36. 30. I, I thought you were going to give us a fake age then. I was no, absolutely no, no, sure of it. You... <laughs> I'm 27. Well, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm still playing 27. Like, I'm still getting called in for younger roles, but I'm much older. I'm like decaying. <laughs> That's good. I was going to say, uh, uh, James, because you're a little bit younger and you're not married yet, I hope you do. But when you have, if you when you get your um, when you have your wedding, God, there's nothing like a German wedding. They party, man. They put Americans to shame. I don't know what it's like in the in the UK, but my God, um, like I went to a wedding. I've been to several weddings here in Germany. And the one that stands out was uh, it was kind of out in the countryside, and of course we partied all night. And then they bring out food at like 3 a.m. or I don't know what the hour is for your second feeding, so you can keep going. Uh, but the last thing I remember is when they turned the Jägermeister machine around and just let us <laughs> serve. And if my mom's listening, that's where the night ended. She's not. I woke up out in the back of the venue. My wife came and got me, and I'm pretty sure I got a cold the next day because I was frozen to the bone. Oh, <laughs> right, so I'm just going to get married just for that then. Not because I love her, just because I just want to yeah. get smashed and sleep on a bench. Yes. Absolutely. Okay. And, and something similar for my wedding as well we had uh, catering arrive at like one or two in the morning with sausages and everything for for everybody we just partied all the way through to the the sun came up as our as our wedding party finished so as is a bone of contention just for advice on this one as well is it do you reckon it's better to get married in germany or get married elsewhere it doesn't cost much to get married here yeah a lot of people here just go to the what's it called the standesamt yeah i don't remember yep they just get a civil a civil ceremony and then have a party somewhere. It was like super easy from what I've seen. Just something I don't, you know, it's it's not a German thing. You know, we had to ask if we could exchange vows. You know, I'm very romantic. So we had, you know, we both had like three pages of wedding vows oh. and we wanted to recite them. We we did, you know, we, we, we were filming. My, my mother is in the U.S. and so she couldn't make it. 
And, um, you know, you have to ask for those special, special touches, which are, you know, in an American wedding, totally normal. But here they just kind of wanted to do their presentation, the person that does the wedding for you. And I'm says, sign, sign, yeah, you know, sign here, the witness signs there. But you have to ask um, if you want candles or, you know, things like that at your ceremony. My uh, my ceremony was delivered in Germany in German, and legally we had to have somebody translate there. So we asked our friend, um, and she's really shy. So when she sat at the front, we thought that she was just going to have to translate like a couple of things, like the real important legal bits. Um, exactly, exactly. And, but she ended up having to translate the entire ceremony, and she was so embarrassed. Like the whole three hour long, or three hour long, sorry, thirty minute long ceremony, she had to um, translate word for word, and she was just bright red the whole time. <laughs> yeah, and it was very serious, you know. The so you know may want to lighten up a little bit somehow. Like we had music playing in the background, we had to ask for that too. We wanted like piano like piano playing in the background. Oh, I thought you were going to say something else, like Bohemian Rhapsody playing in the background or something. No. No, we had a lot of, um, we had BBC radio on, you know, like Jane Austen. <laughs> period, period music. No. Uh, but no, it was, you know, but you can make it your own. You know, we had like around 20 people. To me, it's still one of the best weddings. I didn't need, we didn't want a big, big party, but if you want that, you you can have that, you know. Nice. David, how long has, has gay marriage been recognized legally in Germany? Since 1997. Whoa, wow. that's like light years ahead of England <laughs> and America. That makes us feel I, Jurassic back yeah. in England, yeah. Yeah, it's too, my God. I had no idea. I think it's yeah. only in the last couple of years it's been legal in the UK. Yeah, it's about five years or so, isn't it? Six years. That's crazy. So that's really, well, yeah. States, that, it, it was state by state, you know. So it's going to take a while to get all fifty. Yeah, that's right. It's about a thousand years too late the world over. Yeah, but, especially now. <laughs> yeah. No Paul want to get into that. Yeah. <laughs> that I, section for the podcast. Yeah. Yeah, that's part six. Gay okay. marriage in Germany. <laughs> the that podcast. Working in Germany is one thing. I think the Brits find it a lot easier to to get jobs, although, you know, I think it's very hard without the language. What advice would you have for people for getting and finding work? Well, I think this rule might, this tip might apply to anyone moving to a new country. Just kind of know what you can do, you know, and just come to Germany and think, oh, I'm going to do this and this and create a whole new life. You know, out of thin air, you have to have some tangible skill whether you teach english or you want to um bake cakes or you want you know um don't teach uh, english don't teach i teach english don't yeah. teach english <laughs> <laughs> that's like the last resort of a desperate man is teaching english they, because they let southerners teach english but they let people with no german and southerners teach english <laughs> they, they let people with no no english teach english so yeah. um, <laughs> uh, yeah, and my English is like generally worse than a few of my students as well. They're like, oh, what's the past perfect version of this? I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> but it's just how we whatever, say it. Whatever skill set you bring to Germany, you probably, if you intend to work for someone else, especially the government, you're going to have to have it like certified and provable. And even then, like the certifications you get in Russia, for example, are not re recognized in uh, Germany. So you find a lot of like <laughs> doctors and rocket scientists who are working lower, sort of lower paying jobs. Yeah, absolutely right. Yeah. 
I am yeah. when I first arrived. So I was a radio DJ on the American Forces Network for around three years, um, and about. A year into it, so I was volunteering at first, they said, oh, we've got a job for you. And the bureaucracy that went along with trying to get that job was unbelievable. They weren't going to give me the job initially because I didn't have a sufficient qualification in it. I said, but I've been doing the job, the actual job, unpaid for a year. I, I, am, I have the right experience. Yeah, but you haven't got any qualifications. So I had to try and get all my school transcripts back which I've never been asked for in my entire career field. Um, And then my degree, which is in um, professional management coaching, they couldn't translate it. They couldn't apply it to an equivalent German qualification. So therefore, it's worthless. It's absolutely worthless in this country. Yeah, it's actually the same thing happened to me. You know, I came originally on a contract to work at a a theater as a backstage crew member and also assistant to the company manager, you know, assisting actors and helping actors and helping with scripts and things like that. And in my 15 years of, you know, being an entertainer, I had to find a way to make all of that into a, you know, its own resume, like all those versatile skills, whether it was costuming and set design and, and dressing people and, you know, um, helping people rehearse and, you know, it needed to be on solid as a solid document, mm. you know, printed and then submitted. And, you know, basically they and again, I was very lucky they kind of created the role for me, you know, and that kind of really worked out. But I was the only person. And I mean, that's a whole nother that's a great segue of just the German attitude. You know, you have one job, you have one task, you do this one task. Yeah. <laughs> you don't do anything else. Yeah. You're not, you know, you're not flexible in that. No, it is not my department. Yeah. Um, that's what my article was about was basically that, you know, as an American, you, you can say, you know, you have people that work, you know, uh, in, in the country that just, you'll say, they'll say, that's not my job. You know, or that's not my department. Yeah. But not really. Not really. And here in Germany, I think that's something that's very, you know, legally and it's on paper. No, that's technically not his department. He's not he, he just stamps that corner of the envelope. That's yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, and that that's I think something that you have to as, as an expat coming into Germany, you have to get ready for that there's not that much flexibility with you guys, OGM and James, you're both um self-employed freelancers yeah freelance writer so i just literally my my business is still technically based in the uk because i've not had to re-register it yet but i kind of just took my laptop and then my business was suddenly here so i have no advice to give you on work do not listen to me i'm terrible at having a job (laughs) i i sit here i drink coffee and i make shit up and write it down don't listen to me about any of it so no advice for work from you (laughs) i was uh, working i'm a graphic designer and when i uh I was working for an ad agency, and then when I came to Germany, I lost that job. Although I, I tried to fight for it, but they just—it didn't make financial sense. So um, I began—I was—I became a freelancer, um, and I had to really quickly just bust ass and build up a client list. And once you start filing your taxes, that's when I began to be recognized legally as a self-employed entity. So I'm, my name is basically my company. You know what I mean? And um, so I didn't have to prove anything. I didn't have to provide the certifications that I would need. Nevertheless, I brought everything from birth certificates to high school transcripts, my art college degree, everything, and had it all notarized and ready to go in case I had to go work for someone else. I just didn't have to. 
but I would highly recommend that. Get every, just notarize the shit out of everything, even if you don't need to. And OMG, it's the same for when you want to get married as well, for James also. Yeah. You know, everything. Your birth certificate, that you know, a proof that you have not been married before in another country or in the UK. Same thing. Same, same rules apply. Mm-hmm. I will get everything. David, can I just say you have the best voice ever? Like, I could sit and listen to you speak for... I don't know what it is. It's just something about your voice. I could just sit and listen to you in the background forever. It's really good. And, you know, going back to part three, that's actually one of the things that... Um, that's why I was shocked that OMG said that, you know, people weren't... Um, I'm amazed or or delighted that you were American. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I had a different experience. You know, they they heard me speak and I'm Hispanic. So I'm, you know, my parents are Peruvian, but, you know, I'm American. And so they were really thrown off. But as soon as they heard me speak American English, they were so happy and helpful and grateful. And they really wanted to learn. And, you know, and I hope that's the same for you Brits also, because, you know. (laughs) <laughs> well, yeah, kind of. I mean, you know, none of this is making the podcast, by the way. But, um, <laughs> but David, you, I, I, you keep calling OM, uh, OGM OMG, and it's hilarious. That's okay. Oh but, my god, that's, that's, that's <laughs> oh my god, wife is German. <laughs> See, now, now I know that I've been in Germany too long. You know, I'm, I'm saying, um, I'm saying I've been there. You know, I'll be there from Monday. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah, I've been here since. Yeah, trying to yeah. speak uh, trying to speak German will erode your your English. I've noticed that. I forgot words for like uh, specialized doctors or uh, you know anything really unique. A unique word that you don't often use will kind of like fade out, and you, yeah. you struggle to bring it back. I, I do it with. I call my my girlfriend is doing her master's thesis at the moment, but to everyone, it's master's arbeit. All the time, it's master's arbeit, and I can't get the English word in my head anymore. <laughs> So um, there's another thing about advice as well, and I know that James feels really strongly one way, and I feel um, quite a bit the other way on this. And so it's it's an interesting one. I'd like to get everybody's opinion on this. What's your advice on whether or not you should learn German or not? For, for me, I, I I think it is that the height of rudeness to move to a country and not learn their language. I do not care how well they speak the language that you speak or how well accepted it is. Oh, we're English. We don't have to speak it. Or everyone will just end up speaking English to me. Whether you use your German or not, to actually sit and learn the language is very, very, very important to me. And I think a lot of expats feel left out or secluded because they never bother to learn the language to then get involved in those groups or they're not as accepted as well into those groups because you feel like a temporary kind of measure. So for me, like to, to go into my girlfriend's family's house and sit there and expect them all on their sofa to speak English to me, is that might just be how English I am, but that is the pinnacle of being a dickhead to me. <laughs> that is that. Yeah, do you, me, do you want me to shit on your kids as well? <laughs> I do, I do. For me, I'm like, you, you, to live in a country, to learn it. Like my dad lived in Brunei, he didn't learn any Malay. And I'm like, well, you're just a cunt, aren't you? Why did you not bother <laughs> to go out and learn the language so you can go and buy milk in their language at least? For me, and th- this is something I'm passionate about. Maybe I don't know why it's, it's something that just sits with me that I'm like, yeah, if you're going to live here, at least learn a bit of the fucking language. It's embarrassing to be sitting in a in a group, be it with your the the in-laws or your friends, and everyone switches into English to help you along, like you're a little uh, slow or handicapped or something. Like it's <laughs> like they're doing you a huge favor, and they speak English so well, and they're 
it just sucks, man. It's embarrassing. You gotta I have not. The, the rhetoric about learning the language is awful. People always go, Mark Twain said life's too short to learn the language. Shut the fuck up. Mark Twain's dead. No one gives a shit. <laughs> just like it, it's not that hard if you sit down and actually apply yourself to it. It's not. It's when people sit there and think, oh, German's so hard, so I can't do it. I'm like, right, just sit and learn it. It's not that hard. <laughs> you took a, t- a total immersion approach, right? Yeah, like I, I kind of just, I just went fucking hell for leather with it. Like I started learning last September, and I'm C1 now, and I just kind of went right. Let's at least get my spoken German to the highest level. I don't care about reading and writing, as well. <laughs> it's all about. I'm not going to sit and read Harry Potter in German. So, but let's get to the point where you can speak the language well enough that it, yeah, just be immersed in it. And that was my. I work with language learning blogs as well and language learners as part of my clients as well. So I was kind of thrown in at that deep end, I guess. But to add, I just wanted to say that, you know, when I first came, I was, you know, told that, oh, you know, Frankfurt International, everybody speaks English and everyone is really like excited to to speak English and they just can't wait to speak English and everybody speaks English. And that's just not true. So I think, you know, to to add to your, you know, don't be shocked that that you you have to really learn German. You have to accept the fact that, you know, it's not the most appealing sound, but it it is how you're going to survive. And I personally made peace with it. I have to start learning. I'm also, Paul, you said you're at an A1, A2. Mm -hmm. I think I'm at the the end of A2. Okay, so you're slightly um, ahead of me. (laughs) But, um, you know, and and of course you can always understand more than speak. And, you know, there's... You work with language uh, learning, the der die das, you know, it trips everybody up and it's just something that you have to learn. Um, but yeah, I would say at least make the attempt and, you know, be flexible that, that you will have to eventually learn. I've made some yeah. attempts and, um, you know, I'm, I'm the guy that you're talking about, James. It literally like I haven't learned sufficient enough German. I go around my parents' uh, in-laws' house and uh, they have to speak English with me um i've my social circle is largely american because there's a big american base here and obviously i worked with the americans um so i didn't have much cause to learn the language and so i've been lazy however uh, i have got my integration course through the post um which will get me up to b1 courtesy of the german government um so i will be studying very intensely over the next few months i feel i need to make my point clear is that you don't need to speak perfect german no you don't have to speak native german you don't have to be able to speak c2 you sound like you were born in dusseldorf german it's <laughs> it's having that level of proficiency that be what b2 is technically fluent because you can have conversations and you trip up over yourself but you can do that and having that level is right if people were to move to england and or to america or whatever it is and never learn english You'd have a field day with them. You'd call you'd call them all sort of names. You'd go, the bloody people coming over, they never learn the language, taking our jobs anyway. And that's the rhetoric that people have about foreigners coming and doing it in their country. Yeah, so why I... is it different when English speakers move somewhere else? The only difference I and... can see is it's because English is a global language. So It's not, though, really. It's, 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 it it's, is. it's the third most spoken language Thank in you. the world. It's the, it's the second <laughs> language that people... Go to, but you look at the countries it's spoken. It's spoken in Australia, but it's, England, the, it's also America, the world's Canada. most. It's the world's most common second language as well. But is that cause or effect? Is that because English people don't bother to fucking learn the other language, or is it the other way around? But to live in, a... it's because your English-speaking countries ran shit for long enough that business yeah. is uh, normally conducted in in English. You know and, what I mean. And what's your what's your opinion on learning German when you come here, OGM? You've been quiet. 
Yeah, sorry. Uh, I was just going to say, I was to kind of represent the flip side, I felt very pressured to learn the language, although I completely agree with, with James. Uh, it's just that a lot of my friends back in the States were saying, oh, it, it's just going to come automatically because you're going to live there. You're going to be totally immersed. And of course, you'll just be fluent in no time. And it's because you live there. And that's, that was not the case for me. My wife speaks perfect English. Um, like I said, like we've all said, most most Germans can speak some English. That they're very hesitant to do so. And, you know, the older the generation, the less likely they are to speak English and so forth. But I had to try and I had to try hard. And I did not take the, the hardcore total immersion approach that James did. I just took my classes, did my homework, did myself studying with a computer. It does not happen automatically. And so when people would come and visit me from the States, you know, I'd been here for like three months. They'd come over and say, so are you fluent yet? And I was like, well, fuck you, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I've also, I went to the Mac store once and um, I st stood in the line because I needed to uh, get something fixed. And I talked to this guy, I rattled off some very poor German and he just looked at me and he goes, huh, I'm from D Detroit. And uh, he, he kind of laughed because he said that he, got this job at the Mac store, worked for one year, total immersion, he said it was hell, and he learned trial by fire, and by the second year, he was like speaking perfect German, and so there's a lot to that, but it takes effort, it's not automatic, it doesn't just go straight in your brain because you're hearing it, that's a mis that's a misunderstanding, uh, yeah. misconception. To, okay. to bring that full circle back to helping expats is that if you want to thoroughly not enjoy your life as an expat no matter where you are in the world don't bother to learn the language that is that is that is the killer really that is when people don't feel integrated into a society so that's just to bring that around to helping expats if you want to feel like you live in the country that you're in learn the language i don't if you listen to this in spain for me it's the, it's the same principle applies yeah i mean for me for me i've been here three years um and I suppose, you know, I've kept my social circle uh, of those people that keep that speak English. My wife's English. I hung around with the, the Americans. But now I don't work with the Americans anymore. Uh, I obviously place much higher value on, on learning German. However, I still feel like I've integrated reasonably well into the culture because I've partaken, partaken in everything else the culture has to offer. I visit the festivals. I um, hang out, you know, where, where there's lots of Germans. I get involved in um, charities and help helping people and you know i teach germans english and things like that so i think i'm not fully integrated but i'm definitely more integrated than for instance some of the americans that that live here where they don't learn the language they stay within their own little communities um shop at their own little shops and and never really get to know the country they live in yeah, yeah. it's got the chinatown you'll find in any american city exactly the point i was about to make chinatown is the perfect yeah. example yeah your your oh your wife is German though right yeah yeah you you you, you said my wife's English but you were referring to possessive her language her, 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 yeah, her, her English her, is great yes yeah yeah sorry um any other advice on anything that we can think of we didn't just bitch too much I, I always want to make sure that we are, it's very clear we're all <laughs> here back. enjoying it immensely and I don't think any of us want to leave Germany there's a oh, big no. reason for that. Yeah, I think I think that's an important point to note is that sometimes it sounds like we're getting a few things off our chest because we are expats. And I think even though uh, David and OGM are uh, Americans, you know, we're, we're bonded by this common language. And when I bump into Americans that have been in the German society for a long time, 
you know, they want to get it off their chest. They, they want to talk about the, the nuances that we notice about Germany. It doesn't detract from Germany. These are just things that we notice, you know, that we've in some cases grown to love yeah. about the country as well. I- if we were to sit here and do this about England, I could sit and complain about England for three hours. Yeah, absolutely. I still love the place, but I could sit there and moan about it for three hours. But I, I'm still English. I still love it. The same probably goes for America. Yeah. That you love the place, but you could sit and pick the holes in it and be a stickler, as David called it. Oh, yeah, yeah absolutely. So I'm... Yeah. So we're all staying. There, there are many reasons for that. I, I don't know if I should bring up new subjects. We're trying to close this thing down. What's the subject? Uh, guns. Do you know what? <laughs> Actually, let's let's save that for part four because it's okay. it's German attitudes towards stuff. So you know we can do German attitudes towards guns and um, other things like that. So that's all we got time for today. That was part three, and uh, I think there may have been some advice interspersed in there uh, for expats. It did sound a little bit like we were getting some stuff off our chest towards the end of it, but I'm sure there were some useful tidbits and information. Join us next week for German attitudes to stuff. Uh, basically looking at uh, how they interact with their own country and how we have either integrated that into our own lives uh, or it still sticks out like a sore thumb so thanks to OGM David and James for joining us Uh, we'll see you next week say goodbye Uh, thank you Colin goodbye everybody